care of some price for Monday, January 15th, 2024. Coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Ball Center. And if you're heading to a game in downtown Vancouver, make it a staycation. Call the wall, 604-331-1000. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price. Grady Sass hitting switches, conducting things alongside intern Lachlan Irvin. We've got a big show coming up, and it's all brought to you by Applewood Auto Group. And at Applewood Mitsubishi in Richmond, they're encouraging you to make your way down to the Richmond Auto Mall and try out the 2024 Outlander, as I have. The GT's finance from 4.99%. You get the industry's best warranty every time you lock into a Mitsubishi. Take one for a test drive and find out what everybody's raving about. It's a lot of fun. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today. Will the Canucks win the President's Trophy? Yes, no, or don't care. You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. We ask this because based on their victory over the Buffalo Sabres on Saturday, Vancouver came into Monday with more standings points than anybody in the National Hockey League. And they come out of Monday after a shootout loss, a 4-3 shootout loss in Columbus with a additional point guaranteeing they again will have the most points in the National Hockey League. We saw back-to-back President's Trophies here, Blake, in 2011 and 2012 when the Canucks were the best regular season team two years running. What do you think? Are we going to see one this year? Um, I, I think it's a big ask. There's a lot of teams that are in the hunt here. Uh, Canucks are even currently, despite being tops in points, they're third in points percentage, but um, I I, I think the the correct answer is probably no, they won't. But it's not impossible. And the fact that we're even having this conversation is kind of crazy. It's uh, it's a testament to what the Canucks have done in turning this team around. And there is no such thing as a as a most improved trophy. Um, one team only, unless they've changed the ruling on this, Matt. I believe only one team wins the Stanley Cup. No, that's correct. It's still the, the yeah, current. It's still the thing. So, like, if you do get another honor, like, if I told you the Canucks are not winning the Stanley Cup, but would you rather? But would you rather win the President's Trophy than not win anything at all? I think most people would rather win the President's Trophy. Yeah, they um, they actually came into the day second in points percentage. It was the Boston victory on Monday that dropped them back down mm-hmm. to third. But it's seven oh five. It's third best in the league, and it's above seventy percent. This five game winning streak comes to. And end, and so they book in this marathon seven-game trip with losses. The opening game loss in St. Louis in regulation, and then, of course, to Columbus here in the shootout to end the trip. They're back home Thursday against the Arizona Coyotes. It's Pride Night at Rogers Arena. I know there are some fans who will say don't care because everything in this league is about the Stanley Cup playoffs, not the 82-game regular season. I do know certain, I think our, our old friend Thomas Drance bangs this drum a bit, about how the President's Trophy is really underrated. It should be celebrated a little bit more if you're the best team over 82. It's an 82-game jaunt. Well, that's actually a bigger sample size, yeah. right? And and for some, more telltale than the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I know there are many who will say don't care. I know there are some who think it's a, a jinx trophy. How many President's Trophy winners do we see win the Stanley Cup? And Oftentimes, that team is out in the first round, expending too much energy to get to being the best team over 82. But I think it'd be a hell of a cherry on top of what is a great Canucks story. We know it's going to the postseason here. Um, The fact that we're even talking about this in mid-January is extraordinary to me. So I voted yes. We'll see what the people say and report those results on Tuesday's program. Okay. Lost to Columbus. Meaning their pristine record of two period leads standing up and becoming victories has now come to a close. 26-0-1 after leading after two periods. This is the first blemish on that. Columbus gets the tying goal in the third period. Uh, Quite a game from uh, Voronkov today. Yeah of the Columbus Blue Jackets, his first two-goal game. And then we have to go to additional shooters in the shootout where the Columbus Blue Jackets prevail. Canucks with four different attempts in that in this shootout and are not able to score. Kirill Marchenko scores the only goal against Casey DeSmith in the shootout. 
Uh, Canucks also opened the scoring in this game. That had been a formula. They were 23 and 5, 23 5 and 1 when scoring first. Now down to 23, 6 and 1, and uh, 0 and 2 in shootouts. They've lost to Minnesota, and Columbus have not won a shootout yet this year. 5 1 on 1 trip. What stood out to you? In this hockey game. I mean, I, I thought they started just fine. The first period was totally fine. Um, I mean, they didn't look perfect. There was a few gaffes, but I thought, you know what? They've, they've got a decent amount of legs, and those legs just sort of disappeared <laughs> with every passing minute. And you just you just saw the... It was like cement in the third period in the and, later But stages. then you get a little bit punchy, too. Like, Nikita Zadorov was, like, punch drunk out there. Like, you know when you're so tired you get kind of giddy and you laugh at anything? You know, Zadorov had all this sort of vigor. He was dancing. To, but, like, to the point of what are you doing, Nikita Zadorov? You know, like, they, I think they were just a little bit out of their minds, a little bit punchy after, after what they went through with the snow and all that. Um, they can't have been... Even if this was game two of their road trip, they probably would have been pretty tired given what they went through the day before. So, to me, and I'd be interested to ask Rick talk at this. Like, do you analyze this game at all given the circumstances, both of the the immediate past and the fact that it's the last game of a seven game road trip? I'm inclined from my seat to just say flush everything about it. I'm not going to overanalyze you what happened. you got 11 happened. of 14 points on this road trip. Yeah. So yeah. I think you're feeling pretty good about that. Zadorov, Annie, and Cole, I thought, both struggled tonight or or today, Monday, for the Vancouver Canucks. It wasn't the cleanest game. Zone, zone exit's a problem for Ian Cole. It led to a couple of different Blue Jacket goals. On the plus side for the Canucks, Elias Pettersson is the first star of the week after nine points. And he continued at it, a power play goal, his 23rd goal of the season, season seventh on the power play. Uh, JT Miller got things going early in the game with his 20th goal of the season. He's up to 30, or he's up to 60 points, and even 20 40 split for JT Miller to get to 60. Zadorov gets on the uh, score sheet with that assist on the, the Miller goal to open open the scoring as well. Uh, Miller and Hughes assist on the Pedersen goal. And then in the third period, uh, as mentioned, there was um, uh, an opportunity here to, to put away one of the worst teams in the league. They weren't able to do so. And so Columbus comes all the way back and scores a couple and, and scores a couple of points with a comeback uh, a comeback victory. The funny thing is that the Canucks go 5-1-1, and, and everybody and their dog would have signed on the bottom line to, at that at the start of the trip, and yet I don't think there's a person. Like, if, he, if you if we did, like, a survivor pool of pick the wins and losses of a 5-1-1 and one and one <laughs> road trip, I don't think people would have had the Blues and the Blue Jackets as the teams that take points off the Vancouver Canucks. And Connor Garland also scores in this hockey game. It is his sixth of the season, just an absolute classic third-line goal where Dakota Joshua gets in on the forecheck. They're able to gain possession of the puck. Hell of a pass from Teddy Bluger oh, to Connor goodness. Garland in the slot area for a goal. Casey DeSmith plays really well yeah. in this hockey game when you consider that Columbus begins with nearly six minutes where they do not get a shot on goal. In fact, their first shot on goal is a goal. They wind up putting 44 pucks on Casey DeSmith in this hockey game. He makes 41 saves. It was more saves even than he needed against the Edmonton Oilers, you'll remember on that first Saturday of the season where the Oilers just came in waves and 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 uh, had DeSmith under fire all night. So, you know, DeSmith, one of the calling cards has been he, for the most part, gets points in the games that he starts. He doesn't get the two here tonight, but I think he is one of the better Vancouver Canucks in making 41 safes and getting them a single point with a game that goes into the shootout. Only one line was above, uh, uh, fully above 50% in terms of shot attempt share. It was the Suter, McKayev, and Kuzmenko line right. against all odds, even though expected goals, they were even Steven. So nobody was that great. Um, no. But they, hey, they got a point out of it. Doesn't matter. Well, and, and we should just, uh, we should detail, we when you talk about the Canucks and their travel to Columbus, if you missed this, they did not get out of Buffalo on Saturday. There was a travel ban at a certain hour in Buffalo. And just taking a look at some of the video from 
Orchard Park in the Bills Stadium. I mean, it was not only bitterly cold, but the snow was coming down. The wind was whipping. So the Canucks wind up taking a bus from Buffalo to dry, snow-free Toronto. And believe it or not, folks, the, the way that snow belt works across Lake Erie and into Lake Ontario, Buffalo oftentimes can get these squalls, these massive snow dumps. Once you hit Hamilton, and dream. honestly, <laughs> no, it's the damnedest thing. Yeah, and funny. then when you get on uh, up towards uh, the north end of Lake Ontario, it oftentimes uh, it's a system that that stays away. So they drive to Toronto, where the weather is much much better, and are able to fly to Columbus. If you're wondering about the broadcast group today, well, as we've mentioned earlier in the season, John Shorthouse. Dave Tomlinson, Dan Murphy, Greg Shannon, the lo- the uh, regional broadcast crew for Sportsnet do not fly on the charter anymore. That has changed this year. And so they were going to have to make their own way to Columbus from Buffalo. And so Sportsnet saw fit to fly in a crew from Toronto to make sure that they had a domestic, non-off television crew to call that game. Always better to have the in-person crew, um, but you know technology does exist that you know they could theoretically call it off too if they need to in the future. But um, always better to get somebody on site. Anyways, on to Arizona Thursday or at Rogers Arena against Arizona on Thursday. Don't put them on the road again, man. No, Come exactly. On. And of course, the Coyotes, one of these teams that's fighting at the Western Conference playoff bar and this is a nice homestand that the Canucks get to open here it's Arizona on Thursday it's the Toronto Maple Leafs Saturday and yes that is a 4 p.m. start for the Leafs game Chicago minus Connor Bedard although he skated today one week Mm -hmm. after having surgery on his broken jaw St. Louis and then the same Columbus Blue Jackets to end the month of January for the Vancouver Canucks before they have effectively their bye and we move on to another road trip, this one a five-gamer, which begins down in Carolina on February On paper, 6th. though, that's four teams that are either 500 effectively or below. Like, that, that's mm-hmm. it's a homestand that <laughs> it's just asking for, for four wins again. So we'll see. want to thank everybody who turned tuned in to the live stream from Secure Some Price today during the first and second intermissions in Columbus. I like how you put it on Twitter, Blake. You're watching the game. We're watching the game. We knew the podcast was going to be recorded after the game, so we decided to jump on in live with J-Pat of Rinkwide. And, of course, you're going to want to listen to Rinkwide after this one. And uh, got fantastic response across the platforms that we live stream to, Twitter, Facebook, Insta, and YouTube. Uh, haven't done that in a long time. It was great fun. And uh, guess what? Mentioned this last week as well. This is the first of two weekday AM starts for the Vancouver Canucks this season. Believe it or not, they are in Minnesota on February 19th with an 11 AM start, and we may well go live streaming the intermissions for that one as well. Is that Columbus Day, that one? Which Uh, one is that? You'll have to to forgive me. I'm not sure what February 19th is. They're in Columbus, but not on Columbus Day today. I think that one might be Columbus Day. We'll see. All right. Want to get to something that former Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux had to say Friday on NHL Network that someone in the organization asked him or tried to get him to play Quinn Hughes at center ice. I got to say, there haven't been many issues this year with the Canucks that had my eyebrow cocked a little funnier than this one. What do you think is at play there with Bruce Boudreaux and somebody in the organization wanting to try Hughes at center ice? Uh, Well, he's told the story to many people. Uh, We've found that out since. Um, So it's not a new story. Um, I I do wonder, and he didn't present it as a bitter as a bitter ex employee, but I do wonder if somewhere deep in his subconscious he's just thinking, I can't believe I can't hold on to this story any anymore because I'm justified now in saying no to it, and I I just I have to let this story out. I, I think he he probably just couldn't bottle it in, considering with the season that Quinn Hughes is having. So I'm guessing that was sort of the motivation to let this one rip. So here's the thing. I, I don't for a second think 
Bruce Boudreaux made this up. I think there was something. Oh, I've got I've got corroborating evidence from other people. Right, it happened. Right. Yeah. Now we don't have all the context. The way I sort of analyzed this after hearing it on Friday, and again had to read it several times before going what, listen to it several times before going what. Look, if this was someone who isn't in hockey operations going to Boudreaux and saying that, perhaps it's just as benign as someone who doesn't really know the game effectively. I'm sure a lot of people thought Francesco immediately. uh, Throwing shit against the wall and, and of course, the head coach looking at it and going, no, that doesn't track, that doesn't fly. If this was somebody in hockey operations suggesting that, you wonder about the motives there. And if they were trying to set Coach Boudreau up for ridicule and ultimately perhaps beefing up the case to fire Boudreau. Because for somebody in hockey operations, and we don't know, to be clear, but for somebody in hockey operations to float that by the coach, particularly when we know they weren't all on the same page, that's kind of dirty pool. If you ask me, and good on Bruce for not adopting that idea. From what from what I understand, it came from hockey ops, from the top, and in fact was floated at first at training camp, and ultimately again in November as well of that season. Like how stupid do they think Bruce is? That's uh, so that's very bizarre. Again, we don't have the context. Now, the, 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 exceedingly bizarre. Yeah, the bigger question is: was it was it you know malicious? Was it honestly to set somebody up, or was it just a genuine thought? No, no you couldn't possibly, looking at that blue line, think, yeah, we ought to try forty three in the mail. Come Ste- on. Steal Come from on. the blue line. Come on, yes. Come on. Yeah. No. Nobody in their right mind, no right minded hockey person, sensible hockey person, could actually think that a thing. Yeah. I think they were trying to set Bruce up. Whoever spoke that aloud. By the, the way, by the way, I think it would work. <laughs> I think he'd be just fine as a centerman as well, but they need him as a defenseman. So was he going to be the fourth line center? Because this was at a time when they had Miller, Horvat, Pedersen well, that's all the, down the uh, middle. That's the other thing. The or next you point. slide in Miller to the wing. Like Now, should be noted, Hughes did play forward as a kid. Right. No, but, but it, was, it was a long time ago. But and no, also, I think too, the, the defense was so poor yeah. at that time. No, you're robbing you're from the wrong spot. you take your best player no. there? Come on. No. Well, that's a no. Grady makes an incredible point. It was my next one. You had, if you had one position that you felt good about at center ice, it was it was center ice with Patterson Miller and well, Basser. I think it would have been, time. if it was at all sincere, it would have been with the thought of probably. Moving one of those guys to yes. wing. Yeah, exactly. Dear God, we lay, we wait more than a half century to get a defenseman of Hughes's order into the Canucks, and somebody in hockey ops thought, let's try and make him a center again. I, I just don't buy that that was genuine and authentic. I think that was uh, somebody dropping a banana peel and hoping that Bruce would it's quite possible. slip up on it. Uh, and that in and of itself speaks poorly of the Canucks and their culture last year. The the good news is it didn't happen. It won't ever happen again. <laughs> again. No. Um, and cooler heads uh, did prevail in all sense. But but mm-hmm. I mean again, I, I I think I think Bruce probably would have been better off just keeping that story to himself. But I guess I know human nature that if it's happened to you and you know that truth, you're probably just dying to let it out, especially with a guy having a career year. Let me ask you this, um, and we are past the midway point. As we know, the Vancouver Canucks are going to the Stanley Cup playoffs, still fighting for first place in the Pacific Division, still fighting for first overall in the National Hockey League, as we have talked about and actually uh, opened up and, and Vegas plays Monday, so we'll we'll see where that goes. But uh, have actually opened up a, uh, a pretty nice cushion here on the Vegas Golden Knights. They are nine points up. Again, Vegas. That's crazy to think. Nine points nine up. Po- no, yeah. I know. Nine points up on the second place Golden. With almost even games played, by the way. There's no. There's only one, one game in hand there. <laughs> uh, Vegas playing host to Nashville on Monday. So it could be seven points when it's all said and done and when some people hear this. But 
still a pretty good um, cushion. At some point, Blake, do you want to see Philip Ronick away from Quinn Hughes? Do you want to see that great defense pair split up for A, just if you happen to need that in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but B, also with regards to re-signing Philip Ronick? I saw that somebody asked Jay Fresh Hockey uh, to, uh, what's the Philip Ronick player card at this stage of the game? Jay Fresh, this one is controversial, obviously. The model attributes a lot of his on-ice success to playing next to the best defenseman in the league this season. Will be interesting to see how this progresses, especially leading up to free agency. Uh, a 68% projected war for Philip Ronick. He scores very well in a, in a number of categories, including the competition that he faces, not draw, not taking many penalties, uh, setting up goals, and even his even strength offense and his power play contribution. But his even strength defensive numbers. Uh, his finishing it drive that down, and as uh, Jay Fresh says, a lot of it uh, is attributable to playing with Quinn Hughes. Do we have to see Philip Ronick on his own pair before we're going to give him eight million dollars a year? I, I don't. I mean, that's a coach decision, so I, I don't know that management asks Rick Tockett to do that. That would be. You don't think so? No, like as a lark, as a like well, as not as a lark. No, that's the thing with the specific. Purpose. Yeah, but it's not a purpose that means trying to win a game. And, and that's what Rick Tockett is after. They are a first-place team. They mm-hmm. are about winning games again. I can't imagine that that is a real request that comes down the pike. Now, if it gets to the point no, where they I, struggle I could, for a couple of games. See I could see it. I, I, I think there are times where, as a management group, you have to go to the coaching staff and say, look, we look out for the big picture in the long term here. And we need some information before making one of those decisions. And it's going to be a huge decision and a costly decision. And it's going to affect the player personnel we are able to deliver to you next season. So let's see some games here with Philip Ronick anchoring his own pair. This is the team. I mean, this team has been praying for meaningful games in March for a decade. They finally get it. And you think management's going to go to the coach and say, can you tinker for us, please? We need you to do like. I don't think there's a chance. I don't think they could do it with a straight face. Um, I, you know, I think you do that sort of thing in meaningless seasons. You're eliminated from the playoffs. Can you? Uh, we want to see so and so with so and so the rest of the season. All that, absolutely, you do for a team that's never been in the thick of it. Oh, I think they, I think they want to play this by the book, and they want to make sure that they dot every I and cross every T and make sure that they're ready for the playoffs. Now, if it's a situation, again, if they play five games in a row where they are not looking like themselves and you've got an excuse to do that, well, then by all means. But I think it's going to take that because as long as they're cooking like ga- with gas here, oh, I, I, I can't imagine they do it. On to football where Super Wild Card Weekend starts with a postponement of the Bill Steelers because of the weather in Buffalo. And maybe should have been kicked down the wow. road a little bit longer. <laughs> A extraordinary first half between Houston and Cleveland where you're thinking, oh, man, this thing could be outstanding. And then the Texans blow out the Browns in the second half. Green Bay scores early and often and demolishes Dallas at Jerry's World. And then a nightcap on Sunday that lives up to the billing where the Rams and Lions play a terrific game, a close game, and uh, the Lions with their first playoff victory in 32 years, besting old friend Matthew Stafford and the Rams who is making his comeback. But that game is is the one that people probably just on paper wanted to see the least. Like no nobody's really, you know, not national up. brands. No. Great storylines going yes. in with Stafford and with the Lions yes, finally hosting a playoff game and winning. But, uh, yeah, I was actually a little bit surprised that that was the Sunday nighter, so to speak. I want to fixate on the Cowboys here for a second because that's a soul-crushing loss, not just for the Dallas Cowboys and their fans, but I think for NFL fans everywhere. Like, to have that good a team. And I Dallas was my pick at the beginning of the year to win the NFC, going into the playoffs. You look at that roster, and it's terrific. They have talent everywhere. They were not in that football game in the least. Effort, intensity, it's leading to huge questions about Mike McCarthy's future. I know Dak Prescott threw his support behind the head coach. Threw himself under the bus, too. Well, there was a lot of talk about McCarthy going into this postseason. If this was the postseason that Dallas couldn't get over the hump, then maybe you need a finisher, maybe you need a closer. It has 
really fired up the Bill Belichick to Dallas talk. And Belichick apparently has a very good relationship with Jerry Jones. Now, Jerry and Stephen Jones are not going to give up control of personnel there. So you do wonder whether Belichick can exist and work in that sort of environment. But by the same token, if you're Bill Belichick, you're 71 years old and you've been poor on personnel for a while. So maybe you're going to have to accept those sorts of terms unless you're willing to go to a market that's going to give you the keys. Um, I don't know if Atlanta would do that, if Carolina would do that, but Washington's hired a general manager uh, already. Seattle kept the general manager, John Schneider, in place. So, you know, the places where Belichick could go and have full control of the kingdom are are getting slim. We've talked about, though, in hockey, how you want to just be a good team, that you're going to be upset sometimes when you're a good team. But you want to be a good team over a long swath of time. Well, and so Dallas that you has can had win that. that. So the, the Cowboys are the first team in NFL history to win 12 games in three straight seasons and never make the conference champion, championship. Never make it. Never make the conference. Not win it. Right. Make it. Well, and, um, and, I mean, it's unbelievable. So they've done the right thing. They've been uber competitive. They've mm-hmm. been elite now for three straight seasons, and they can't do it. Since Dallas won Super Bowl 30 in 1996, their third Super Bowl in four years, under Barry Switzer, you may remember. Mm -hmm. 28 years, 18 playoff games. They are 4-14 and in those playoff games. And, Blake, they haven't been to a conference championship game since that Super Bowl, let alone these three years where they've been terrific. They were one of the top defenses in football this year. They give up 48 points to Green Bay, although Dak and the offense contributed to that with interceptions. And uh, Cleveland, the other, I was on Dallas and Cleveland this weekend in part because I just thought their defense good enough, superior. Boy, they say defense wins championship. Cleveland, maybe the best defense in the NFL, gives up 45. Dallas gives up 48. And how about this? C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud, the Texans quarterback, he's the youngest quarterback in NFL history to win a playoff game. He's also the first ever top three pick to win a playoff game in his rookie year. Of course, we're so accustomed to those high quarterbacks, highly drafted quarterbacks Mm -hmm. having tough first seasons or being good but being surrounded by a bad team, which is why they're picking in the top three. But Houston is off to the divisional round because of C.J. Stroud, and we know we're seeing a Green Bay-San Francisco divisional playoff game in the NFC. How about that? You get, uh, I would argue, the three biggest brands in the NFC, Dallas, Green Bay, and San Francisco, and you're going to see them play each other, Dallas and Green Bay, and now Green Bay and San Francisco. Is Justin Love good? Like, is he really good? Is he Is he going to be... Who? Love taking over from Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to be the next Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, like, I, is he? I, is it just going to be a handoff? Jordan. Jordan. Sorry, yes. Or did I say Justin? You said Justin. I'm sorry. Um. Um. Yeah, I think so. Is he just going? Like, I think so. In the, the way, like, especially on some of those uh, touchdown pass, like there were little arm flicks that were like he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not. No. But but the. the he flicks and is adjusts that wow. arm angle. Like there's, there's things there that are pretty special. And, and here's the thing, Blake. We had talked about this season and how it was really an ugly duckling regular season yeah. for the National Football League. All told, uh, came out of it with some enticing playoff matchups. Um, not particularly enticing playoff games. At least two of the first three. This league needs C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love. To be stars, yes, yeah, definitely. Sure. They need the because next wave. We have yeah. watched a little bit of the quarterbacking quality diminish and erode here. You have lost some extraordinary guys who did it deep into well beyond what people thought was possible. When you look at Tom Brady and Drew Brees and how long they've played, you've lost some quarterbacks just via attrition. You know, guys like Cam Newton who had won an MVP and whatnot. This league really needed some quarterbacks to step up and show that they're the next wave 
of great There's signal been so callers many busts. and stars. Absolutely. There's been so many guys. That even even a Tua Tunga Viola who's not a bust, but it's no. like, does he have it? No. And, and, and watching Miami and Kansas City, and that's the one game that we, we haven't talked about, and another game that was played uh, in uh, dreadful uh, dreadful um, conditions. weather conditions. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, you know you're a spoiled fan base when you just don't show up to a wild card game. Huh? And a lot of folks in Kansas City, bra- you know, not willing to brave the weather. Um, Tua's the sort of guy who needs a very clean pocket and receivers to run precise routes. You know, I, I he's not great at the off-platform throw. He's not great at having to change the arm, arm angle and throw around. He just seems completely discombobulated when he gets traffic around Now, him. maybe so, maturity and wisdom will, yeah, will, will yeah, add to that. But Again, he's not a bust. He's got no. great stats. He's had good years. But, um, but Blake... He's a guy who was being talked about at the end of the year as a MVP candidate. And if that's an MVP candidate, it's been a bad year for MVPs. Yeah. You know, I we went through a lot of years where guys like Drew Brees weren't even getting talked about in that because someone like a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady were having an even better season. 50 touchdowns. Exactly. Yeah. No. It was sort of a weak field it was not a great year for individuals in the national football league at least not quarterbacks and running backs all right uh let's get into the menu it is brought to you by greta greta fantastic spot to catch the game throughout the season a quick walk to the rinker stadium greta go-to spot for food drinks and fun before and after the game make it a game night at greta 50 west cordova or at GretaBar.com. No to the people we go today. We wanted to give you an opportunity to weigh in on what could have been a 6-1 and one Vancouver Canucks road trip and the game in Columbus. So we'll get to the people and your thoughts and comments on what you've heard on this show and the standing of the team on Tuesday's show. We will talk to John Shannon. It's usually a Jeff Patterson day, but Jeff's busy with Rinkwide. We'll catch up with Jeff tomorrow. John Shannon in here on a Monday. We'll do some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Foolish Winery. And Foolish Wine has dropped something pretty fantastic. Sign up for Fantastic Wine Club to receive three fanciful shipments per year of nine Foolish bottles, including exclusive merch and first access to limited release wines. Blake Price has done this. You also receive 15% off anytime you shop in the tasting room and you have the unique opportunity to make reservations at all. Yellow Dog Beverage Company tasting rooms. Head to www.foolishwine.com to sign up. And at the end of a busy workday, treat yourself to a Foolish Wine, a Yellow Dog, or a neighborhood. So Garrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags are the best and worst of Twitter.com, Blake. And I'll lead us off with, uh, well, this was making the round Saturday. Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York State, of course. She had all the power in her hands with regards to the Sabres-Canucks game in what was supposed to be a frigid, snowy Buffalo at John Campbell, New York, television reporter in Western New York. Hochul says the Buffalo Sabres game is still a go at 4 p.m. today. She says people can monitor the weather and, quote, leave after a couple quarters (laughs) if it gets bad. (laughs) Governor Hochul, not a hockey fan. No. Basketball fan, football fan. It's New York York State. You get out of the city, that's all you play. Yeah, you'd, you'd think you'd just do the one second of homework. On and, and here's the thing, uh, or have an advisor say, yeah. you know, it's periods, Governor. Tell them to leave after a couple of periods. Uh, a lot of fans seemingly took her cue. That game was getting sparser and sparser as the afternoon went on. Of course, some of it may have to do with one nothing. Yeah, and There wasn't a lot of there there. Yeah, and headed for like a 25-25 shot count as well. So, yeah, it wasn't a barn burner. I, I thought it was still a decent hockey game. We've seen far worse from the Canucks. For one, nothing. It was damn good. Yeah. For putting your life in your hands on the trip back. <laughs> I guess Maybe that's it. it's Maybe it was leavable. Put it that way. 
Uh, at not potato boy. This is a, an Islander fan. You want to talk about culture and what it means to be an Islander? Look at Bo Horvat here. All the other country club cowards that wear the crest, F off to the room. But this guy sits here and watches until the final horn blows. F you, Lane Lambert. Hashtag Isles. Things are getting a little unruly, apparently, on Long Island. They uh, give up a lead and lose to the Preds on Saturday. And they score the empty net goal the Preds do with a second left. Lambert clears the bench. They all go to the room. Five guys on the ice, and Bo Horvat yeah. waits on the bench. I, I've seen I, this before, I but was, it's not a good look. I, I was unclear. Did they did they think the time had expired, though, when they first started clearing out to the room? I, I, did I, they reset the clock Potentially, yeah. potentially. But, I mean. Because that's one thing, right? Like, where if the empty netter goes in and you look up and the horn is blaring and there's no time left, and as opposed to I am leaving this game with time on the clock, albeit. It's a second. What are we doing here? It's a bad look, though. It's a completely empty bench, no coaches, nothing, and a singular Bo Horvath. At Kevin Weeks, breaking news, the San Jose Sharks currently hold his rights. There's high interest from NHL teams in trading to sign Sasha Chmielewski. He's been one of the top players in the KHL for the last two seasons, and his representation has been granted permission to engage with NHL clubs in the process. Well, that representation is Dan Milstein. This is an American kid who grew up in California and Michigan before playing in the OHL with the Sarnia Sting in Ottawa 67s. He was a sixth-round draft pick in 2017. 48 points in 67 KHL games last year, 43 and 50 this year. He has played in North America. In fact, 10 assists in 24 NHL games and 84 points in 116 AHL games. He is a forward, can play the middle, and still reasonably young as well. You know, that's one of the other things that you look at with these with these players coming over. Uh, of course, we're very familiar with uh, Andre Kuzmenko coming over when he did. At a, you know, older, more advanced stage, but still a... You know, late 20s. And this kid, Sasha Chmielewski, uh, will be 25 this summer, which is, hey, could be prime years. Six foot, 187 pounds, right shot, can play the middle, as mentioned. He's going to have a market here. Matt, I'm, I'm, I'm missing something here. Mm-hmm. So 21-22 is a normal season, or is that the post-COVID uh, well, Canadian division? Well, there's still some, I mean. No, but what's, what's 21-22? Is that the Canadian division season? No. No, that's the year after. Right. So he's in oh, the. Oh, wait a second. Hold on. 1920 is the year they shut it down. So, yeah, 2021 is the Canadian division. Yeah, okay, so 21-22 so is normal. after. So it's a normal old year. Uh, he plays 47 games in the AHL, has a marvelous – like, yeah. how old is he? He's 22 in the AHL, having a marvelous year. Right. They call him up to the Sharks for 19 games in that season. He puts up eight points in 19 games. Again, as a 22-year-old rookie. Right. So why is he off to the why KHL Why is he off the to the year? KHL the next Great year? Great question. Seems uh, very odd. His family has Ukrainian roots. Hmm. I mean – Maybe he was just done with the Sharks at that point. Anyways, it doesn't sound like he wants to play for the Sharks, so there you go. There's he's going to be the a... World Juniors, too. Four goals, three assists, mm-hmm. and his one World Juniors, too. He's, wow. uh, he looks like uh, a player here for an NHL team available via the San Jose Sharks. At Simmons, Steve. Just a temperature check in the center of the universe mm. here. After there was some dunking because they had, <laughs> so quaint, four All-Stars for their team. Matt. Oh, well. Good, good try there, Toronto. <laughs> Temperature check. Mike Collum, Steve Simmons of the Toronto Sun. Mm. Mike Collum on the Leafs' inability to play team hockey in spite of their high-priced stars. They are hockey's version of the Dallas Cowboys. Ooh. Oh, those are fighting words. Um, it is a it is a bit of a warning for the for the Canucks and and just you know and I mean this for the players and coaching staff just. You know, like keep on keeping on the way that you have been playing team hockey because this is the risk is that um, things get away on you a little bit and you've got a bunch of stars making a ton of money and little else. 
and it is uh, I, it's a risk for next year for the for management. Um, you know, the Bluegers and Joshuas and Coles of the world have been a part of this team's culture for the Vancouver Canucks. You lose some of those guys next year because they're all in one year deals. You know, are, are is it the same team? Is it the same culture? All of that, and uh, the Leafs just don't have it right now. Yeah, much less Golton. Lastly, for me, uh, caught this from Elliot Friedman on Hockey Night at Frege HNIC Saturday headlines: a Cody Hodson comeback. Oh, crazy! So when last we saw Cody Hodson on NHL ice, he was 26 years old with the Nashville Predators in 2015-2016, and then had to call it a career. The reason being is a rare condition. Malignant hyperthermia. It is. It has the ability to create muscle rigidity, fever, and a fast heart rate. And it was the reason why Cody Hodgson couldn't continue playing hockey. He will be 33 years old later this year. In fact, in February next month. But he is looking. In fact, he'll be 34 years old. But he is looking to resume a hockey-playing career. And he told Friedman this week that, look, he, understand it's a, he understands it's a long road and he understands that it doesn't begin in the NHL. But don't be surprised if you see somebody reach out and give the former Canucks first overall draft pick. Do you remember the goal in Game 8? <laughs> The clapper. I saw Wyatt re-rated it as one of the best clappers in Canucks history. Off the rush clappers. Off the rush. Off the rush, yes. But but here's the thing. He was never a good skater. What are the chances he's going to be good one now after a seven-year layoff? Well, but he's apparently clear of this condition. Maybe this condition had something to do with this skating. Muscle rigidity. When I read that, I was like, yeah, that was Cody. The way He he did seem kind of stiff when he skated. Really stiff. The way he skated, the way he sort of his posture and everything. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, best of luck to him. And that's hashtags for today. Mm-hmm. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at Applewood. Secure's price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. And Applewood Ford in Port Hardy. He's got the, I mean, it's the corner. It's the bedrock of the truck line of trucks everywhere. It's the F-150, folks. The 2023 is still around with a $5,000 rebate plus $1,500 bonus for eligible owners. So go check it out. Applewood, Ford, and Port Hardy. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today. Will the Vancouver Canucks win the President's Trophy? You can vote yes. You can vote no. You can vote don't care. Do so at Twitter <laughs> and YouTube. We will ask it of John Shannon, our next guest. I think the, the chuckles are voting, aren't they? <laughs> on Tuesdays, but we're here on Monday with JPAT um, busy with rank-wide duties. So what makes you laugh so heartily there, Mr. Who cares? Shannon? Who cares? Come on. It's the I president's think, trophy. I yeah. think who cares might win. People here too are Can a little we, bit uh a little bit burned by the president's trophy. Well, they trophy. won back to back president's yeah. trophy and then uh lost in game seven of the cup final and then came back and lost the next year. I think everybody's burned round. by everybody in every city's burned by the president's trophy. Yeah. The president's True. trophy. But here's the thing, like in other leagues, particularly in soccer. It's a big deal, right? Like supporter shield. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Like if you win this, uh, you win the championship in a lot of leagues. Do we not make it a big enough deal of who's the best team over eighty-two games, John? Let me ask you this: What trophy do you get your name on? What not the trophy? Mm-hmm. What pro- trophy do you skate around the ice? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, be damned any other sport. This is hockey. The Stanley Cup means everything. Just live with it and understand it and quite frankly, enjoy it because it's the greatest, in my mind, the greatest team sport trophy in the world. Um, And 
Uh, I think that the presentation of the trophy is better than any other, and let's have fun with it. I, yeah. I hear you, but let me play devil's advocate. Every other league is now trying to copy soccer, uh, the NBA included. They've got the in-season tournament now with a separate trophy, separate banner goes up in the rafters and all that sort of thing. And by all accounts, the NBA version yeah. went really well in its first iteration. Um, you know, the Lakers, the Lakers are five under 500 in the regular season. They needed something to hold on to. That's true, but <laughs> that, that's exactly what the point is. You got something else to try to win. Um, maybe if they tried to pump up the president's trophy, maybe it would be a, a bigger deal. Maybe it would be, maybe something you could grow. It's about trophies in sports now, apparently. Yeah. Well, and, and hockey has a great group of trophies. So let's just mm. enjoy what we have. Uh, how hockey's got a great group of trophies, three of which won't even be touched by the players who win the That's damn right. things. That's right. In the Clarence Campbell Bowl, <laughs> the Prince of Wales trophy. Yeah. And of course the precedents as well. Okay. So let me ask, we're asking this because the Canucks went into the day with the most points in the NHL and they will leave the day with the most points in the NHL after getting one against Columbus. Let's start there. What did you make of the game today? Well, listen for them after they travel the last 36 hours for them to get a point. That's a bonus. It really is, you know, get out of town, get home, get rested. Um, it was a great road trip, uh, and nothing more need to be worried about what happens in Columbus or Buffalo or, or any other city. It was, it, it, you you knew, you knew it had to happen at some point, particularly with the arduous travel. For them to have to come back to Toronto to fly to Columbus, that to me is alone something that uh, most teams wouldn't have to do, and an afternoon game at that. So that's, th those are the types of things you have to worry about. And John, the travails of not having a broadcast team on the charter, they had to make arrangements for somebody to call this game. But Blake was wondering, like, are we not in a world now where everyone's accustomed to calling it off tube? Would that have been an option for them? Oh, I, I, I think it probably could have, but uh, at the same time, I think that uh, uh, particularly both works in Canada that do hockey TSN and Sportsnet know that uh, there's a much better feel. There's, a, oh, there's yeah. a much better understanding of what goes on um, in an arena if you're there. Uh, and uh, you know, I thought, I, quite frankly, I thought Mike and Sam did a pretty good job under the circumstances. Sure, uh, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't Dave. Listen, it wasn't Dave and 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 John, and you know, it was not necessarily looked at through colored glasses. Uh, but I thought. Uh, under the circumstances, they did a did yeoman's work, and and again, just don't blame them for the tie, okay, or the loss, whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. Uh, five oh, are, are you kidding me? Blake, this is a shoot the messenger business. Yes. You know that as well as I do. You can find anything you want on the internet, so uh, you're right, <laughs> but that no tangible amount of it at the very least. Uh, it was a seven game road trip, which we don't see a whole lot of anyway. Uh, they've got a nine game homestand. Um, do you do you think either of those uh, are points of of uh, quibble for the Vancouver Canucks? The fact that they have a, I mean, I, at some point we've talked about this before in extended homestands before. Eventually, fans actually get a little bit bored about the team being around. <laughs> like nine game homestand in March. Now, if they're important games, maybe that'll change it. But uh, that's a long homestand. This has been a long road trip. Yeah, but you know, let's face it, the teams submit dates. Yeah. A lot of this, and the dates were submitted, gosh, I'm trying to think, about 16, 17 months ago. Uh, the, the team submit the dates. So they know if full in advance, you know, what they're, what they're going to be facing. I haven't checked the, the calendar of events at Rogers Arena, but what was there? Yeah, I don't know what's coming up that, that, uh, that you know, they wanted out. I mean, there's a home and garden show that's about to move in there right now. Oh, that's a BC place. Pardon me. Um, no, I don't know. I have no idea. But, um, you know, it's, it's a busy arena. It's amongst the busiest, right? So, well, and, and, and it seems that we're, we're seeing it a lot more. I mean, Anaheim, I think, had an eight game homestand. Um, you know, teams in Western Canada, other than Canucks, Edmonton and Calgary, have had long homestands. Frankly, you just have to take advantage of them. And and if you can't take advantage of them, then you got a problem. We um we have seen some pop up 
Stanley Cups recently. Vegas wins last year after missing the playoffs the year before. I'm not sure that's the best example because they had been such a good club prior to that. But St. Louis wins in 2019 after missing the playoffs the previous year. This is something we almost never saw, John, or at least didn't see for long stretches of time between like the 1920s and then into the, uh, I believe the Rangers were a pop-up cup winner after missing the playoffs the previous years, Pittsburgh in 2001, Carolina Mm -hmm. in 06, of course, coming off the lockout in the 71 Canadians. So few and far between have gone from missing the playoffs to winning the Stanley Cup, although we have seen it more uh, more readily recently. What do you think? Do you think this group, the Vancouver Canucks, could be a pop-up Stanley Cup champion after missing the playoffs as often as they have? Well, I, I don't think there's any reason to think that the Canucks aren't a contending team. Um, you guys know as well as anybody, though, the challenge for any team in this league that gets to the playoffs is the first round. You are going to have your toughest competition in the first round inside your own division for the most part. Uh, and I did a little thing yesterday on X. Uh, just to, I, I start doing it after the second half of the season starts every once in a while. And if the playoffs started the first round started today. It would have been Vancouver and Edmonton. Well, n- neither of them would want to play each other at this point. And, and, the, and it also speaks, to, it's an awful word, I think, but it also speaks to parity in this league. Uh, you know, there are six teams within four points fighting for two spots in, in the Eastern Conference for the wild cards. I mean, there are, there are close to 25 teams that think they have a chance at the Stanley Cup this year. 25. It's, it's phenomenal. But, it, it, you know, and this is what, this is what Gary Bettman had always wanted with a salary cap was to try and make sure that there were a ton of teams available to play games in the postseason, and that's exactly what the, what has been created. It's taken a while, but that's exactly what's been created. The Canucks have five players and a coach going to the All-Star game. It shatters the club record. They had sent three players and a coach before, and of course, four of those players got voted in after Quinn Hughes was an original selection. We also saw a ton of Toronto Maple Leafs going to this game. Of course, the game is in Toronto, so that tracks. What do you think they're thinking in the NHL head office with all these players from Canadian teams and a straight popular vote to get the players in? Well, if you remember, they um, they actually did the um, the league decision to put one player from each team first because they, I think they felt that this was going to happen, particularly with a Canadian-based All-Star game. I think that, honestly, I think they're thrilled. Uh, I think when you consider what the, the All-Star game is going to be in the hotbed of hockey in our country, why not put Canadian players involved in it at, at this point? Um, and I also think they it might be a little bit of a learning curve for a few guys that have joined the, the office in New York um, to figure out exactly how important Canada is to this league uh, and how many Canadian players are voted in and the passion of hockey fans in British Columbia. Um, I, I think it's a, if, if they can't take any lessons from this, then that's a shame. But I do think they have, and I do think they understand it, that this is really an important thing for hockey fans across the country. I heard Hockey Night talking about it on Saturday, but we're going back to a draft format this year. That was something that Brendan Shanahan had lobbied for when he was in the NHL head office. And so it tracks that, of course, he's now president of the Toronto Maple Leafs that we're going back to that format. What they don't quite yet have Justin Bieber secured to be with Austin Matthews on one team. What are you hearing about the process from here on this? I, Honestly, I have not heard a darn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the all, and maybe it's my age, but the All Star game isn't for me. You know, uh, the All Star game is for but John. That, John, that it's for league sponsors. Kid. Come, hobnob, rub elbows with the likes of Scott Hartnell and others over the years. <laughs> Scott Hartnell? 
Blake once <laughs> he, did he a got bit, through, he Blake got through an all-star game. did a bit about Scott Hartnell in the all-star oh. game and saying, really, if you're running a fortune 500 company and here's Scott, Hartnell, here's Frank Petrano. <laughs> congratulations. Oh. Well, uh, you know? Hey, no, listen, listen, Scotty Hartnell, is, that means there's a huge vote from Lloyd Minster. That's what that means. Hey, listen, it will, it, it will be, it will be a blast here. Yeah. Everybody will have a great time. You know, there are so many positives to come out of this. I, I, think, you know, don't laugh at me, but I you know Thursday night when they added the women's three on three, all of a sudden that looks like a stroke of genius right, right now. When you consider what the PWHL is doing. So, I mean, I, I, we will hear stories that will people, people will come here. People will have a great time in Toronto all-star weekend. If you're a, if you're a purist and you're cynical, stay home, stay home, and and just enjoy. We we are so critical of our own sport most of the yeah. time. Well, the, well, problem, we the, main, so prob- the main problem is John. People have asked me, you know, what's the format for the All Star game? I have no idea. Like, like it, when, <laughs> well, when, it, when it confuses you, I mean, I, I this I goes back to the this goes back to the poll question. Who cares? Yeah, I just right. want to see the guys on the ice. I want to see the skills competition for a million dollars. I think it's going to be cool. Right, and, and what I would argue is the All Star Game, much like the Winter Classic, now has become more of a local event, and to fly in the sponsors and have them have a a good time in whatever city. It is hobnobbing and all of that. The only uh, thing you're, I understand that the only thing that that contradicts that Matt is is the ratings. They still the, do well. The, huh? it, yeah. it still does. It is amazing. Even in in my time when I was, whether it be in in, in the United States doing it or in Canada, uh, the All Star Game just you know gets really good number. It gets a better number than the outdoor games. It, it yeah. really does. I'll and it's I just, can... I go, it's, fan, it's, it's, and, and I shake my head at it every once in a while, but then I go again, the all-star game isn't for me. Mm-hmm. It, it's for, it's for, it's that little guy who's going to buy one of those sweaters and it's going to be for families to sit around and judge who's got the, who's, who's going to skate faster. I'll set I a just, personal high if I said if I watch a single minute that well, would be the personal no, high. But here's I'm going to send you a, I'm going to send you a clip so that you, it's a, it, you know, that'll be the key. I watched the John Scott game, and I will say the um, skills competition, at least they've got the right guys there. I, I mean, you know, outside of Nathan McKinnon, there wasn't really a single name that I looked at and went, mm, that guy's got to be in it. John, so, does, does anybody, does any business get done? Like, do GMs talk at all here from what you understand? Or is it is it all about the, the sponsors? and, and the I don't think heavy. general managers are commanded to be there. No. Uh, what I would say is that anybody that is, do, it, for my time at the league, what happens is that there's a ton of meetings between corporate partners and the league. How are we activating? There is a ton of time for the network people to have mid-season discussions. So there is a little bit of business that gets done, but I don't think it's really from a hockey perspective that there are any discussions. All right, business from a hockey perspective. If you take a look at the teams that are out of it or close to out of it, and they're available UFA centers. Really, there's three. Uh, Elias Lindholm in Calgary, Adam Henrique mm-hmm. down in Anaheim, and Sean Monahan in Montreal is playing more than 18 minutes a night, having a pretty good year. And all the insiders seem to think that he might be the first domino to drop when we're looking at the rental market. What are you hearing? What do you know on Monahan? What do you think of him as a fit with the Vancouver Canucks? I, I think Sean Monahan could play anywhere. Uh, I, I think he's a really, really good player. And, and I, quite frankly, I think that the time away after all of those injuries has rejuvenated Sean's attitude about the game. And I think that you can see that in his time with Montreal. Um, as far you know, I'm just, just to go back, you talked about other centers. I don't think Calgary thinks they're out of it. Uh, and, and I, I mean, I, I think you're, I don't think you can get rid of Elias Lindholm at this point. If you think you still have a chance at a playoff spot, and trust me, those conversations will be had in Calgary between ownership and Craig Conroy. Um, and so I think that the people that are putting Lindholm on that list uh, don't, are, I'm surprised that they think Calgary is going to wave the white flag. So, but I, I, Monahan's, Monahan will be a good player anywhere. 
And I think that that I think something somebody like that could be a real positive for a team like Vancouver. So you're not buying any Jacob Marks from Trade Talk just yet? Not yet. No, I'm not. Uh, in, you know, what, what's happening in Calgary is that Ryan Huska is, again, another coach that's done a solid job. Look at their road trip. Look how successful they were on their seven-game or even which included one game in Calgary. But uh, they're, they're, they're a factor in the, in, in the Pacific. They're a factor in the Western Conference. And I just don't, I don't see Calgary suggesting we're getting rid of players yet. They still have a lot of loyal fans in Calgary that think they can make the playoffs. That's pretty uh, crowded, though, in that Pacific Division. Edmonton cruising like they are, Seattle cruising like they are. I mean, my goodness, there's uh, uh, Calgary's going to have to put together an eight-game winning well, streak like everybody else has. Seattle it, it's a real dilemma, Blake. Yeah. It's a real dilemma. I mean, and that's, you know, and and to my mind, it isn't going to be Craig Conner making that decision. It's going to be ownership making that decision. Great stuff, John. Thanks for being flexible. Joining us on a Monday, we will catch up next Tuesday, sir. And for the record, if you're looking at pictures from Buffalo, mm-hmm. there is not one ounce of snow in my backyard. Oh my god! We did not get an ounce of snow. Wow. We it's mentioned great. that earlier in the show that Toronto oftentimes escapes wow. that huge snow belt that covers Buffalo. You clearly didn't donate your shovels, though, because. Uh... My goodness, wading to oh. your seats in Buffalo was probably not what they thought was going to happen. Wow. I tell you what, I, when, the, when the Steelers scored, count how many snowballs hit the ground. <laughs> well done. Thank you, John. Cheers, boys. Secure some price from Wall Center presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Poll question results from Friday. We asked you, should the Canucks go all in on this season? 2,500 votes on this, Blake. What did the people say? Uh, they said yes. Yeah, indeed. Percentage? 80. 73% mm-hmm. said yes. Sampling from the comments, Xerxes, 32 teams in the league now. If they were still on this kind of fire in a month, management has an obligation to its fans to take their best shot. Uh, Dan says, no, let's be conservative and just good. be good for years, never be great. I don't think we can handle being great. Yes, go for it, FFS. Adam, if we're talking about packaging prospects and future picks for guys we're not going to come close to getting, no. It's adding depth players or bringing back TANF? Sure. Drew, going all in hardly ever works. They're doing awesome now. Let them finish what they started. And then Ron, with six Canucks having career years and going to the All-Star game for heaven and hell's sake, go for it! But not if it's going to jeopardize team chemistry. That's what I mentioned in hashtags too. Mm-hmm. See, like this could be a different team next year. Like you know, this team is working as a team. Mm-hmm. Who knows what next year will look like? Errors and omissions from Friday's program. I have what I have. Just the one. You were asking about the accents on Martin Ruchinski's name. Above the C. Yes. Looks like a small letter V atop the C. It's a Quran. Mm-hmm. C-A-R-O-N. Yeah, it's in Apparently the, quite rare, too. It's in the, a few of those languages. Czech, Slovak, mm-hmm. and... Croatian. Croatian, yeah. yeah it's yeah. Slavic languages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes the ch sound. Yes. Grady, anything from uh, your end of things? Nope. Brilliant. On to our Betway bets of the day. FA Cup going this week in England. West Ham have suffered some terrible losses on the road of late. Now they're coming off a draw against Bristol City in EPL play. Now they play them in FA Cup. I'm going to go with the upset in the home side here. Bristol City, good value here, plus 380. Whoa. Uh, no upsets for me. Layla Annie Fernandez versus American Alicia Parks in Aussie Open tomorrow. And I'm going to go with a 
straight set. You can you can say not to win a set. So Alicia mm. Parks won't win a set. Pays out at one fifty five. Need some sort of good tidings from the Canadians down there. Felix won, but it was a good win. But the others five are, sets though are sad. Yeah, I mean it's Dominic Team though. Who's yeah, fair sort, enough. Who's sort of had a bit of a career arc. Like he's Canadian. Like he was Dominic Team was supposed to be really grand, really except good. He won a Grand Slam. Yes. Yes. But yeah, Milo shout, Chapo out. And you wonder if that's it for Milos with the injury. Yeah, that's that's too bad. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us, Canucks Conversation, and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, follow on social. That's Insta, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.